0: Back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Ah! Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host. Mike Madison. Showtime! Woo. All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I am your host, Mike Madison. I've just had a big meal. I, ne- I never have a big meal before a show, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes today. <laughs> uh, they got me yesterday. I, I got to say, I'm mea culpa. If I'm wrong about something, I want to make sure that I come on the show and explain it. Uh, now, I did I'm going to give myself a tiny bit of credit. I did sniff this out in real time. Yesterday, I read a tweet by a, quote, proud Democrat that was talking about the fact that in the wake of the affirmative action decision that black people could not not make it, could not achieve anything on their own merits. And as I was reading it, I realized how kind of over the top that was. Well, it turns out a proud Democrat Twitter account, which regularly went viral, sharing extreme liberal opinions, is probably not a real person, according to a report. The account, with the name Erica Marsh, claimed to have worked as a field organizer for the Biden presidential campaign and was repeatedly mocked by conservatives for her histrionic takes. You know, okay, that that, kind of got me. I, I clipped that before the show yesterday, days in advance, but it was as I was reading it for the show yesterday, it just kind of set off some alarm bells. Just, it was too much, too much. Turns out I believe this was a fake account, and I would apologize to the people on the left if the point didn't still stand from this tweet. People who are for government assistance for entire groups of people still must think, that those people, these minority groups that they pretend to protect, are incapable of achieving success on their own. Uh, Getting an ID? uh, See, the libertarian view is, some people do need help. I don't think there's any denying that. Hell, all of us need help from time to time. So, in the libertarian mindset, in my mindset, this should fall on your family, your friends, your neighbors, That's who should help each other, not the government. If you want to be accepted into a certain school, make it a priority years in advance. Get tutors, maybe within your circle, to get help where you need it. I've seen these things happen in real time in my own life. I worked with my kids on subjects that they struggled with. If we needed, my stepmother was a tutor for many many uh, junior high kids and high school kids who needed help. You could, you could stress academic achievement for your kids or it just even kids that you love. Help them achieve it for themselves because that's actually more rewarding. And, and I can hear the people on the left shouting out in a great cry, but Mike, some people don't have a good support system. And and I'll tell you the truth, that's true. It's very sad. I know some of these people too, but somebody cares about every single kid out there. It's a teacher, a pastor, a piano teacher, an aunt, an uncle, a bus driver, a neighbor. It doesn't matter. And those people could, without any government assistance whatsoever— Without any government policy to give a leg up to somebody by forcing some university to institute some kind of a race-based or class-based or anything, any kind, of, any kind of standard that way. These people, these few people that are important in people's lives, even if the moms and dads are checked out, these people can dramatically improve a kid's outcome with love and effort instead of force and discrimination. See, the government is never the best tool, and most of the time it ends up hurting people. And, you know, when I looked at this, I've got a real bee in my bonnet about Social Security. Social Security, part of the Great New Deal of the 1930s, Social Security may be what kicked off all of this crap of government assistance in the first place. See, it used to be, prior to Social Security, it used to be that people knew, well, number one, you probably need to set aside something for a rainy day, right? You need to save some money for retirement. Now, that's not possible for everyone. That is true. So if it was not possible for people to have saved uh, for their retirement, that responsibility fell on anyone, anyone, kids, relatives, or even charities or community support, people rallied around elderly people. You will not read stories in the 1800s, early 1900s, of elderly people dying in the streets for lack of assistance. Even in the Great Depression, and times were hard, maybe it made the community harder to help elderly people, made kids, it made it more difficult for them to provide for people. But when the government swooped in, essentially what they did was they came in and they said, hey, you can all ignore each other. We got it from here. We've replaced care for others with this monstrous government. They told people, we'll handle it. You can ignore your elderly people now. And, and ultimately, I think what it is breeded, bred, breeded, bred in this society really is a culture of selfishness. We don't really want to be bothered to help a kid succeed. I mean, who wants to take out time to tutor some kid in algebra? We'll, we'll just wait for the government to get them into a school and cut them a check for their rent or medicine, their food, whatever it is. So we don't have to actually take care of these children. We don't have to help people get a driver's license. And I I wanted to read this because this really kind of dovetailed with some of the other stories that I saw last couple of days. Here is another example of how the government and the Fed, and particularly the Death Star, as I refer to it, here's how these policies are hurting the younger generation, these kids. I reach out to them rhetorically. I have two that I'm responsible for. And I think there's a duty because of my generation, Gen Z, and the generations before me that have economically hollowed out this country by electing a bunch of politicians that have looted the place. Uh, I take responsibility for these two children, and I'll help any others that I can. I've hired a lot of young people. But listen to this. Each (laughs) generation— Maybe getting smaller and smaller if we continue to let the same kind of people run our society. Listen to this statistic. I got a couple of statistics here we're going to open the show with. In 2010, the rate of unmarried 40-year-olds began a dramatic upward ascent to 20 percent and up another 5 percent to 25 percent in 2021, according to Pew. Now, I didn't go back and look at this. I've got some other charts. You know how I like to to, uh, describe charts here on, on the radio. But when you think about what's happening right now, a lot of people will say, and there's probably some social component to this. I have noticed with social media, with social media and the phones, people really don't know how to actually personally interact. But it also is because it is largely, largely unaffordable for people. I remember. I had a relationship with a great girl. I think I was 24, 25. We had a conversation one day. She called me. She said, what are we doing? We were living actually in two different towns. I'd come back to Jackson to start a business. And my idea was, uh, she was in Texas. My idea was I'll start this business when it launches. You know, I'll be able to bring her over. We'll probably get married. But she called me. She called my bluff before that. She said, what are we doing? I said, well, I'm just not prepared. I'm just not stable enough to get married right now. Turns out... (laughs) That might have been one of the worst decisions of my life, as things turned out with the one that I was stable enough to marry at the time. That didn't work out so well. But my point is, I understand the idea of not feeling stable enough to start a relationship, to get married, and to commit to a family. And we have made, in this country, well, not we, I take it back. It's not you and me. It is the powers that be, the Federal Reserve elites, our government elites, they have made it through their inflation habits. This overspending at the federal level that has caused this inflation made everything more uh, unaffordable. Homes are an all-time record for unaffordability. These people are stripping. They are jerking away the American dream. And the sad thing is for these young people, and I know I have a lot more sympathy for young generations on this show than most people do. But what's sad is you've got, you've got a generation of people telling these kids they're lazy. They need to get out there. They need to hustle. And then you have the same people saying that to them, electing politicians that facilitate a system that actually pulls the American dream further away from them. Can you think of how cruel that is? Get out there and work. Your mom and I did it. Get out there. Meanwhile, you're voting for people who are actually making it more difficult for these kids to succeed while you scream at them for not being successful. Now I know. I know this is not maybe the I mean I was surprised when my kids were in high school. I was really surprised when I realized that basically none of their friends worked. My kids worked. When they went to college, most of their friends didn't work. My kids worked. And so I've been a little surprised by that. But if I think back about it, I, I ran, a, uh, ran a restaurant, managed a restaurant. I started as a waiter, became a bartender, and became an assistant manager a restaurant while I was in college. Most of my friends, most of my fraternity brothers, they weren't working. So I don't know exactly how new this is, but it's just really cruel what's going on. But I wanted to look at this, too, because I ran across a headline that 105 million working-aged Americans are currently not in the labor force. Now, I, it is not new territory for me to cover on this show the U.S. labor force participation rate because that's what's important, not the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate is a juiced number. We need to look at the number of working-aged Americans who are actually working right now. Currently, that number is, let me pull up my chart here in Radio Gold, as Jamison Haygood would say, currently that rate is right around uh, 62.6%. Now, if you want to know where it peaked, when the good times were, when we had record employment, and it really went on a pretty, pretty consistent rise from 1965, and this is really when women entered, entered the labor force in mass. But this number peaked at 67.3%, the labor force participation rate at 67.3% in the year 2000. And it has gone steadily down ever since. And I kind of thought we'd take a look at this and maybe, you know, look, number one, at this booming economy, knowing that the, the best working demographic that we had, the best statistic we had for the number of people working was in 2000, and it's been trending down ever since. So when they tell you that we've got this booming economy that will support this overinflated housing market, I got to tell you, I don't see it. <laughs> I, I do not understand the people who say, oh, this is perfectly normal. It'll continue. We're not going to have a recession. Everything's great. But the other question for me is not just how is our economy doing right now, because I know everybody jumps to looking at the economy through their red or their blue glasses. But for us observers who don't look at everything through a political lens, how has it been for the last 20 years? Charts are very illustrative of this. they're They're very instructive. they're They're great resources, if you know, um, how to use these things. So just shout out a year. That's right. Shout out a year. How was the how was the labor force participation rate um, We know it peaked in two thousand. this was, and I don't give him any credit for this. was the end of the Clinton administration and a Republican Congress. George Bush took office, uh, the labor force participation rate, meaning the number, the percentage of working-age Americans that had a job and were going out and being productive, uh, it was in the 66%. It started trending down a little bit. You know, we had a little bit of a recession here, but pretty much during the Bush administration, it was around 66%, uh, come Barack Obama and the great financial crisis. It began to slide a little bit. Let's see, in 2009, let's look at the second year of the Barack Obama administration. We're in the second year of the Biden administration at 62.6. Let's look at the second year of the Obama administration, which would have been when? Elected in 08, took office in 2009, that would be 2011. So let's see, uh, 2011, uh, July of 2011, it was at 64%, so it already dropped 2%. Now, of course, this was after the Great Financial Crisis, right? We're actually, and even in the depths of the Great Financial Crisis, let's say the beginning of 2010, that number was 64.8%. Think about that for just a minute. At the depths of the Great Financial Crisis, the percentage of working-age Americans that were employed and had a job was 64.8%, almost 65%. What is it today? 62. 627 the employment situation in this country right now is worse than at the depths of the Great the great Recession. Yet they tell us everything is fine. Buy the stock market. Buy a house. Everything is rosy. Well, if we're going to do this, let's look at the second year of the Trump administration. Certainly the great businessman that came into office, he must have knocked the cover off the ball. So let's look at July of 2019. That would have been his second year Uh, 63 percent. 63. Right now it's at 62.6. Does that surprise anybody? Because I keep hearing Donald Trump and Trump supporters say it was the greatest economy the world had ever seen. Remember, the peak was in 2000 at almost 68. Donald Trump was at 63.1. That's not the greatest economy the world has ever created. And now, under the hapless Joe Biden, we've had every combination of Republicans and Democrats in in every one of these office machinations since the year 2000. And the trend is 67-66, early years, then 65-66, then 64-65, then 63-62, now 62-63. Do you understand the trend there? Sinking every Single year, we are sliding further and further into this, and this is what our children are inheriting. So just think about that. A government that you think is able to take care of everybody through welfare or through handouts or affirmative action policies—the government is a They're a destructive force, and everything they touch Party's is the right. destroyed. Driving, the wheel. Touching you Touching me. I think one of my favorite things to cover on this show is a waking up story it's been it's beautiful to watch people wake up to things I wish I could I wish I could do this show one-on-one with people and lay some of this stuff in front of them. This with a lot of my friends. They've woken up. I've, I've, I've talked to some, some people who don't know what's going on in Ukraine and talked to them about it very civilly. And you should hear them say, what? That can't be true. <laughs> and then they learn it's true. And I hear a lot of, oh, my God. There's a lot about Ukraine that if people actually knew the truth about the country Ukraine and the conflict between Russia, uh, there's a lot of, oh my God, moments in there. I didn't know that. Here's a wonderful waking up moment I ran across on Twitter. It's a woman by the name of Molly Rutherford. She's a doctor. Her handle is Molly Rutherford, M.D. She wrote this, quote, Just finished a book that makes me question ADHD as a legit medical diagnosis. I'm now questioning my entire medical education. Oh, that's a beautiful one. When doctors wake up, it's one of the most delicious wakings up uh, because these people don't understand this. They've been brainwashed and propagandized in this medical system. They have no earthly idea what they're doing, to be honest with you. And this is the vast majority of them because they're led by the AMA and the FDA and the CDC who hoodwink them and, get, and turn them into essentially drug pushers. I'm going to read this quote again. This is amazing from a Molly Rutherford, M.D. Quote, just finished a book that makes me question ADHD as a legit medical diagnosis. I'm now questioning my entire medical education. If you have got—I don't know what this book is. I I should have tracked down the tweet and found out what book this was, because if you have got your children, if you have been hoodwinked by a psychiatrist or a doctor that's got your kids on what is essentially meth, if you've been hoodwinked by that, you need to find this book. Go look up Molly Rutherford, M.D., on Twitter and see what book she has read it's got her questioning her entire medical education because she questions ADHD as even a legitimate diagnosis. See, this was invented to sell your kids meth, to get them hooked on one drug that will force you to put them on other drugs down the road. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do a show at some point. I do miss my health show. I just don't have time. I'm currently working six days a week at least 12 to 14 hours a day. This is just really a busy time. That usually happens for spurts of two to four weeks, and then it calms down a little bit. But I'm busy, busy these days. Um, but I'm going to do a health show. One of the things I'm going to cover, I'm going to get into it right now. I'm going to do a show about another health disaster that I've not been able to comment on yet because I really haven't had the time to do adequate research. But let me just give you the broad strokes. Uh, you want to know about a health disaster that is taking place right now? Ozembic. Oh, oh, oh my God, Ozembic. What in the hell are people being talked into right now? This stuff is going to kill people. Now, I have a prediction. If you are currently on the air quotes here in the studio, weight loss drug, Ozembic, that's actually a type 2 diabetes drug that does nothing to help anybody with type 2 diabetes, Oh, you might lose some weight, but it's going to cause you all kinds of other side effects when really what you could do is change your diet and do a little bit of fasting and you can reverse type 2 diabetes in 30 days. They don't tell you that, do they? Huh, that's odd. But this Ozambic fad that has taken place, and this has been going on for probably about the last six months to a year, and I'm just, oh, I can't believe I haven't even talked about it yet. Uh, this stuff's going to kill people. Prediction. Prediction. Uh, Do you remember FenFen? Do you remember the diet supplement FenFen where they took two drugs? I can't remember the actual names of them, but it went by the name of FenFen and people started gobbling it up because most people really won't commit to making any lifestyle changes or getting their butts off the couch. They're waiting for a pill to drop 120 pounds. Do you remember fen Just like fen with Ozembic, we will see. And if you're taking Ozembic right now, maybe you'll be a plaintiff. I mean, you're going to have to wreck your entire health to become a plaintiff in this case. But we are going to see massive lawsuits over this product, Ozembic. And shame, shame on any doctor that is prescribing it to anybody unless they are going to die from obesity within the next few months. The idea that these white lab coat drug dealers are putting out a type 2 diabetes drug with a whole host of side effects in it to help people drop a few pounds for a family reunion or a bachelorette party, shame on you. And if you are losing if you are using Ozempic right now to lose weight, you are chasing a dangerous, dangerous pipe dream, and I want you to do me one favor, just one favor. Go, if you're taking Ozembic or somebody that you love is taking Ozembic, go and just take a little bit of time online today and look up Ozembic Face. Yeah, that's right. Ozembic Face. It's actually uh, what happens to your face with prolonged Ozembic use. And and I don't know, maybe not even that long. It starts to contort your face. A lot of sagging skin, things like that, but it's it it's really quite... It's, it's very off putting. It's, it's repulsive. And if that's not good enough for you, uh, check out Ozembic Butt. Ditto to Ozembic Butt. Yes, they are naming parts of the body that are horrifically malformed after the people uh, use Ozembic for any period of time. So they're giving them names like Ozembic Face and Ozembic Butt. This is a health disaster in the making. Mark it down. Remember my words. July 6th of 2023, you will see massive lawsuits. If you're a tort lawyer out there, if you're a litigation attorney out there right now, get started. Get going. I just gave you multi, multi, multi multi-million dollar class action lawsuit, and I will cheer you. I've told you, told you many times, I used to be one of those conservatives, one of those neocon, Kool-Aid drinking Republican conservatives who believed that trial attorneys were the devil. Because my Republican masters who wanted to protect corporations, to protect medical manufacturers, they told you that these trial attorneys were just the devil. So they introduced things like tort tort reform. And sure, there were some frivolous lawsuits out there. But what I've come to realize later in life is, you know, if your government is completely corrupt, your last line of defense is attorneys that will hold these corporations like the makers of Ozembek. I can't remember who does it that will hold them accountable, that will sue the pants off of them. And I hope that they do it very, very soon. Remember I said this to you, and if you're on Ozambic, for the love of God, for the love of God, change your diet, get some exercise, you'll be shocked at what you can accomplish, and you'll feel good along the way. And, bonus, no Ozembic face, zero plus I'll be right back. Told you a level of concern, but you walk by like you never heard All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show 1039 W Y A B. Yesterday I was talking about the fact that I, I understand, you know, we were talking about Independence Day, and it's really sad how we have become so domesticated that we're not even, you know, there's a lot of talk about the cocaine found at the White House. That's nothing new. It's Hunter Biden left some coke there or somebody did. They're just careless. These, these are the worst, most inept criminals we've ever had in the White House. I understand. They're just not the first criminals we've had. They're just really bad at being being criminals, Hunter Biden. But he's a trust fund kid. I know people like this. They've gone so long without any consequences, they, they don't even need to be careful anymore. You understand that, right? But what's sad to me about an Independence Day, it was a war fought over somewhere between a 1.5 and 3% cent tax, and we had founding fathers who had great jobs and wealth and standing in the community, and they risk it all. Now we've got even the patriotic people in this country handing over half of their income and taxes and fees all over the place, and they're worried about cocaine at the White House. And it's, it's just sad to me. But, but I did mention yesterday that it was, it's understandable. It's kind of hard for us individually to stand up because we know nobody really has our back. And this is the tough part. You know, the, the January 6th protesters were rounded up and destroyed. We were essentially powerless to stop it. Nobody really stood up. And I mentioned Assange, too. Julian Assange the guy that was actually fighting the deep state and ex- exposing their secrets. Supposedly, that's a very popular thing now, yet he is still rotting in a British prison. But I was listening last night to a podcast about Edward Snowden, too. And Edward Snowden, as everybody knows, is exiled into Ru- in Russia. And, and if you think about it for just a second... Just talk about nobody's going to have my back if I stand up. No one's going to have your back if you stand up until we all come to the conclusion, right and left together, I hate to tell you, black and white together, that we've all got to stand together or we're going to hang separately. I, I I don't know how much easier it is to see than it is right now. But think about this. The two men who really exposed the secrets of the deep state were both hounded and crushed. And this is even during a time where even conservatives, it's, it's, it's flip-flopped. You know, conservatives used to love the deep state. They were the cheerleaders for the CIA and the FBI. They've woken up, and the left has gone completely asleep on the the big three-letter agencies. Now, they the left loves the CIA. They love the FBI. All is forgiven for murdering Martin Luther King, I guess. All is forgiven for murdering uh, JFK with the CIA, I guess, on the left. They love these agencies now. But when you think about the fact that they are the both of these guys, they are probably the two most prominent people out there within the last few years who have truly exposed the deep state in this country, the the corruption at the core. I mean, Assange ratted out Hillary Clinton and the DNC. And what did these two guys get for it? Julian Assange is rotting in a British jail and at risk of being brought to the U.S. I think he's facing 140 years in He's going to die in prison if the U.S. has its way. And Edward Snowden exposed the extent of the surveillance state. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, Edward Snowden made a miscalculation. He overestimated the intelligence, the capacity of Americans to care about what's important. See, it turns out we're so dumb and domesticated that We don't even really care that we live in a complete surveillance state. He did miscalculate that. But he is exiled to Russia. (laughs) Just Think think about that. The guy that exposes the corruption in the United States now has to find a home to be free in the former Soviet Union. (laughs) That's where we are. But here's what's really depressing to me. Trigger alert. The so-called patriots in this country— The people that I would think would have people like this back, because all I hear from this group of people is destroy the deep state. Yet the two heroes who have attempted to do such a thing get absolutely nothing. And the Patriots' reaction to that is that they want to re-elect the guy that persecuted Assange and kept Edward Snowden in exile. Isn't that interesting? See, it was actually Donald Trump... Who went after Assange with Mike Pompeo? Slow killed him in a prison. It's just interesting. I'm just saying, it's just interesting. Quote of the day. It took me a while to get it to it today, didn't it? Caitlin Johnstone. She wrote this One of the weirdest things to happen last year was the entire Western political media class deciding to start pretending Ukrainian Nazis aren't Nazis based on literally nothing whatsoever. Just because it's convenient and a substantial portion of the population is playing along. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? The large part of our population pointing to Nazis behind every single rock except where the actual Nazis are. It is kind of interesting. I ran across this headline, too. The military recruiting crisis. Even vets don't want their children to join. Ah, that's a good one. I like that. I've talked to vets because I've come on this air, and it's not popular on conservative talk radio because we love the idea of military service. I've talked to vets and said, would you have your children join today's military? And whether it's the woke stuff or the fact that that veterans by and large have caught on to the fact that this empire building and sacrificing our troops for the behest of the elites who want to build the empire— They don't want anything to do with their children joining this military. It's a very sad thing. How heroic and noble it could be to protect, actually protect the United States and actually protect our freedoms. They haven't protected our freedoms for decades. Maybe a hundred years. When's the last time that our military was actual tasked with protecting our freedoms? I guess you could say, you know, having a good military. But we've got two big oceans and two friendly neighbors. They're not called on much to defend our freedoms here at home. Instead, they've been tools of the empire builders, the elites. This brings me to one of the biggest headlines right now. Uh, I'll tell you, it's concerning. Because if you're watching what's going on right now, Zelensky... With the approval of the United States, of certainly and other Western countries, is he about to false flag the nuclear plant in Russia? I mean, in Ukraine that Russia currently controls? Uh, what is coming out of Zelensky's mouth now, I don't want to play it. I can't stand his voice. He's got a very annoying, grating voice. I don't love my voice for radio. He, he doesn't add anything to it. I'll put it that way. Uh, he has come out and said that he believes... He believes, or he knows, that Russia has planted explosives on the nuclear plant, the Zaporizhia, something like that, the nuclear plant that the Russians control in Ukraine. Now, maybe it's true. Is it possible it's true? But, you know, what I always go back to, this is much like Syria, when they said that uh, Bashar al-Assad had gassed his own people. And I came on air the day they made that charge. And I said, why would he do that? He's winning the war. Trump had announced that he was going to withdraw troops from Syria. The civil war was almost over. They were winning. But the media led us to believe that they were going to do the one thing that would assure that U.S. and Western troops would stay in Syria and continue this war against the Assad government. It made no sense. Ditto for Russia today. I mean, my first thought when I hear this, I thought, why would Russia do that? They control the nuclear plant right now. If they wanted to blow it up, they could have done it months ago. And it seems to me, when you just think logically, that Ukraine and the psychopaths in the West would benefit because here is what the game is. Should they actually do this? This seems like it is an attempt to draw NATO countries directly into the war because if they blow the nuclear plant and a radioactive cloud goes over a NATO country, they will invoke Article 5 and they will rally all countries, all NATO countries, to the defense of the NATO country that's hit by radioactive. Could they really be that sick? Of course. Absolutely they could be. Keep an eye on this one. Hopefully this is another false, false flag. But I'll tell you, it makes absolutely no sense. Just like the Russians didn't have, didn't make sense that they blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, didn't make sense that they'd blow up a, a bridge that supplied them, Thing doesn't make sense that they would blow up a dam that they control. It won't make any sense that they blow up this nuclear plant. Keep an eye on that. There was actually... Man, it was sad. There's a video circulating right now. It is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking video of Ukrainian soldiers trapped in a minefield. Have you seen this thing? You know, I think it's an important thing to see because Americans are so removed from war because it doesn't come to our shores. We just fund it. It comes out of your pocket, but we don't really su- we don't really suffer the horrors of war. And this is Ukrainian soldiers who. You know, outside of the Nazi ones. They're not all Nazis. These are young men that Zelensky has scooped up off the street at risk of imprisonment, thrown them into the backs of vans and sent them to the front lines. They are in the middle of a minefield. And I couldn't even watch it all the way. They're just hunkered down. A couple of them are injured. And one of these soldiers, and this is the bravery of military service when you're trying to help the buddies in your unit, one of the guys jumps across onto the back of one of these armored personnel character, carriers. A bomb goes off, a, a landmine goes off, but he's able to get control of this thing, and he backs up to where some of these wounded people are, and they try to get on this transport. And I could not watch the end of it, because apparently it shows a Ukrainian jumping off of this thing to go get somebody else, lands right on a mine, blows one of his legs off, and he has to tie his own tourniquet on his decapitated leg as it was described his other foot is hanging on only by the skin this is what's going on right now and when you think about that there was a there was a meeting of western diplomats that took place just a couple of days ago A bunch of them around a table. I don't know what all countries were represented, but it was probably 50, 60 different diplomats. And they're going around the table, I'm sure, condemning Russia, doing their thing. When the Russian diplomats started to talk, the Western, air quotes here in the studio, diplomats. You understand what diplomacy is, right? Diplomacy is trying to work things out, right? Is that just a good uh, layman's? Mississippi country boy definition of it diplomats are supposed to work things out without violence it's called diplomacy Uh, when the Russians started to speak the largest nuclear armed power in the world involved in a serious conflict in Ukraine right now when they started to speak the western diplomats got up and walked out They just got up and walked away as soon as one of the parties to this war, this serious, heartbreaking war in Ukraine, as soon as they started to talk, these diplomats got up and walked out like children. They left the room. So I want people, I don't know if you'll ever see this, I can't show it to you on WIAB here or on my podcast, but I want you to remember that. Should this thing really kick off? Should we find ourselves in World War III? Should you see any videos of any more just Horrific things that are happening in this war. Just remember, at every opportunity to stop this, Western diplomats have walked away from it. They've discouraged it. As a matter of fact, they've scuttled it. There was a peace deal in Ukraine in March or April or May. I can't remember what month it was. Uh, within a month or two of this thing kicking off, they had a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. Boris Johnson, at the behest of the United States and other Western so powers, Martin went over can't there. See the the end. So eyes back. in a city can't With the eyes shut, looking through the rust and rotten dust, these a small people. spot of light floods the floor yeah. and pours over the rusted world and pretend. And the eyes, these open, and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom, right the top I stop. at the core, I forgot it. All right, I've only got about a minute left. I want to do a funny show. I've got some clips that I think are actually pretty funny. and I've, I've had them sitting in my, kind of my file of show notes for three or four episodes now. I keep wanting to get to them, but this stuff is so sad. How, how do I let it just go by? Because you'll see people who, who blame the wrong people for this stuff. We're letting them get away with it. I know the cultural war stuff is bad. I know people have to make choices. I don't mind boycotts and, and making your dollars count. But those things, they may not matter someday. This stuff is so serious. And you know, th- these these, uh, these atrocities that are happening in Ukraine right now. Lindsey Graham himself, a U.S. senator, said he is committed to fighting this war to the last Ukrainian. Just think about that for a second, and I'm going to throw it in here. I can't help it. I, it's, it's, call it a compulsion. Trump campaigns with this guy. More on that in a future show. It did restore my faith a little bit in the Trump crowd when they booed Lindsey Graham mercilessly. Trust me, I'm out of time this week, but I'll get to it next week. But I want people to understand who's responsible for this stuff. And when I run across these videos that are just, these are kids, man. They're somebody's kids, somebody's brothers, somebody's sister, somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's son, somebody's daughter. And these psychopaths are just destroying lives all over the planet. I can't let them get away with it. Not on my time. (laughs) I'll try to be funny next time. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week. Uh, Bye-bye.